This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 104, The Family is Your Greatest Asset, Part 1. Traditional financial planning is no longer working, and in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to another episode of our podcast. Holly Bach here with you today, and then also with me here in the studio is Mark Willis. Hey, Holly. Hey, everybody. All right, perfect. So um, we have a lot of awesome material we want to cover with you guys here today, as we do every day, I like to think. Um, but real quickly, before we jump into that, um, did want to share just a couple quick, you know, little blurbs, little commercials with you, um, which we've been talking about the last couple episodes. So hopefully this won't be too new for you. But just as quick reminders, um, we have that live call-in show coming up where we want to hear from you. We want you to participate. And we want to hear um, what you guys have to say. We want to answer your questions since um, obviously the podcast and doing a whole episode is the long form. Well, we'd like to go ahead and do the short form of that where you just ask it and we answer um, live in the moment. And so that is on uh, Saturday, September 7th from 1 to 2 o'clock Central Time. That's next Saturday. Yes, next Saturday. So mark your calendars, um, adjust for your time zone, whatever that may be. It will be from 1 to 2 Central Time. Um, You can, of course, also find all the details for this show in our show notes. So always feel free to pop on our website, go to the show notes there and uh, get the info you can register so we know that we can be expecting you and your questions. Um, and really what the, the, the I guess, kind of the um, topic of the, of the show is just going to be, you know, is bank on yourself? Is this strategy better than investing in the stock market and buying term? Um, and so, you know, that whole classic, uh, you know, buy term, invest the rest. So we're gonna, going to be putting that argument to rest. Um, and Amanda Neely is going to be our guest for that. She will be joining us. She's run um, the numbers on these two different strategies for herself personally. So she's not just going to be sharing anecdotally about, you know, Jane and Joe. Um, it's literally going to be these were her two options um, in her personal situation. And this is what the conclusion she came to. So stay tuned and tune in um, in order to hear what that conclusion was. Um, So that is the first announcement. Second um, is we only have one more day for you guys to submit your feedback um, to us in that quick 90-second survey that we have um, where we just want to get your thoughts on, you know, what it would look like to build some sort of not-your-average community of, you know, learning and practice uh, for our listeners of our podcast. We know that we're not average. We know we're not doing things that are normal. And so uh, very easy to feel isolated and alone out there um, in this great big world of misinformation. And so uh, we're just kind of curious to see what the interest would be and what you guys would like to see as far as some sort of community where you can engage with each other um, in you know, sharing your your triumphs, your struggles, things like that. So please, please, please uh, fill out that survey, um, giving us some insight into that. Um, you can find that in our show notes as well, the link for that, or you can just go directly to um, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash N-Y-A-F-P 
90. So not your average financial podcast, 90, uh, which is for the 90-second survey. Won't take any longer than that. Um, and that needs to be done before August 31st. So that is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so please, guys, get your uh, submissions in for that. So we, that's We want it. your feedback, but not after tomorrow. So just yeah, kidding. Exactly. Just kidding. Uh, so that's it for my little commercials. Um, but Mark, what are we actually going to be talking Man, about we today? we got a lot of stuff <laughs> we got to cover today. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, and I'm going to take a hard right turn. You, did a, you crushed it with those. I think you did a <laughs> Great job. Now I have to take us over the ditch here. But uh, so we're going to be talking about, wow, what is the greatest asset in your portfolio? You know, what stock are you most proud of talking about at the barbecue or on Facebook? You know, um, maybe it's something that we have never uh, considered before. So that's what we're going to be covering today. So guys, you know, when a family member, think about anyone that you might know who may have passed away uh, in your family. You know, when a family member passes away, all their dreams, all their work, all their emotions, all their work toward raising a family, the pain, the loss, the achievements, the joys, the memories, it's all vanished essentially. And now all that's left are the memories that you have of that person and the legacy that they left behind. You know, memories can be kept, but everything else basically gets divided up, divided between who gets to keep your money, your family, and the government that might have a claim on that money. So 100 years ago, it was really not uncommon for families to pass on a farm or business or a trade that employed the entire family. You know, grandparents were, you know, working on the farm that they'd held for generations, and right alongside them would be the adult middle-aged children and possibly even the grandchildren. The family structure worked together as a business, like we heard Wendy and Scott talk about last week. Family pride was evident, and it was passed on through generations, even as far back as the Middle Ages and really even as far back as the ancient Roman and Semitic cultures in biblical times. You know, the business of the father was going to be passed on to the children. Heck, I mean, come on, that's why we have last names. I'm not sure what Willis is actually short for, but, you know, Smith, <laughs> Potter, Taylor, these are all, you know, the, the, the work that the family did together that farm and the business, along with the memories, was the legacy of our forefathers. So this idea of family as an asset has almost really disappeared today. You know, we still might have memories and photographs and whatever, but um, you know, the business of the family has mostly disappeared. And as you know, so so essentially, we've kind of had to move on without that asset. The possibly the greatest asset in our portfolio. We have no connection with our past uh, and really don't know who our ancestors were or what they accomplished. Uh, There's interference coming from the government and from Wall Street and an enormous amount of lack of knowledge, financial knowledge, that tremendously robs families from passing on wealth and wisdom uh, from one generation to the next. You know, I've talked about this concept some in a room where maybe 100 people, and I'll ask the question, you know, how many here know with absolute certainty that you're going to get an inheritance of at least $500,000? And I just want them to raise their, maybe three people out of 100 will raise their hand. And that that used to be the norm, you know, uh, according to like the value, the significant windfall of, of an inheritance. So why is it that none of us expect significant windfalls that would be life-changing anymore? You know, what happened? I feel like the idea of keeping wealth in the family is opposed, vigorously opposed by, again, Wall Street and the government uh, because they have a harder and harder time getting hands on money that gets passed directly to 
the beneficiaries, the second and third generation. So it comes down to this. Some families are going to guarantee that their legacy will go on forward without them, while other families simply will gamble it away. Holly? Yep. And so if tomorrow you discovered an opportunity that by planning together with your parents or your kids could create millions of dollars for your family or charities, would you take advantage of that opportunity? If you also discovered that the money could be transferred to your family, guaranteed and income tax-free, would you do it? I mean, what do what do rich families do that others don't do that, you know, made them, quote unquote, rich? Um, they leverage the least amount of money to create the most amount of wealth by investing in their family. So there's kind of really like two rules for this family asset concept. Uh, rule number one is that the family is your greatest asset in your family. So use the least amount of money to create the greatest amount of wealth. Uh, rule number two is guarantee the wealth will occur and that the legacy will transfer income tax-free. So here's an obvious but fundamentally true financial concept. Rich people think like rich people. Poor people think like poor people. I love these brilliant flashes of the obvious there, Holly. Perfect. But yeah, that's yeah. that's so true. Say that one more time. Yeah. So rich people think like rich people. Poor people think like poor people. So which one are you going to be? And start thinking that way. Um, you know, ask yourself one question. Would you want to create wealth for your family if you didn't have to spend one more dime than you are spending right now? If you could realign your assets to make wealth possible and still retain control of the money, would you do it? The key to all of this is just to consider the family as your greatest investment rather than, um, you know, X, Y, Z tools that you would yeah. otherwise be told. Tools like mutual funds, 401ks, real estate. It's not about where you keep your money. Investing is more about how you use that to create true wealth, true wealth. So this is way past buying a stock or even, uh, you know, uh, hoping and praying that that stock goes down or up. You know, Warren Buffett, of course, never buys just 100 shares just to hold on to it. He and Mark Cuban and other folks from Shark Tank, you know, they're going to buy enough of a, of a business to get real control of the company so that, you know, when you have resources to con take control of a company uh, it's a, and, and you know it's a great investment, then do it. Go for it, you know. If you want to try to guess on, you know, this XYZ stock or that, ABC stock and hope and pray that it goes up, you might as well go to Vegas, right? You have no advantage and no control over the value of that stock. Yeah. And in the old days, the family had total control of the family business, right? The family could directly affect the growth and outcome of the farm and family trade they owned. And crucially controlled. Yeah. Whereas today in generating family wealth, you know, dabbling in stocks doesn't provide the ownership and control that's needed to pass on wealth successfully. The elements that affect these types of legacies are, you know, taxes, risk, creditors, and of course, good old fashioned luck. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, in defense of many who follow this strategy, you know, professional advice has told them this is the only way to create wealth. They've been doing that for years. Oh, big time. Yeah. I mean, that's really following that traditional kind of average investment plan really cannot, does not create multiples of wealth immediately. You know, think about it. If you've got a hundred bucks, a hundred thousand bucks in your savings account and you pass it on or pass away and you leave it on to your children, 
what are you going to leave them? Well, 100,000 bucks, right? No, no multiplication factor there. We're not leveraging anything. You're just leaving them what you've been able to scratch together during your breathing time, as they say. Uh, if, if, an IRA, if you've got an IRA or 401k, it's even worse, right? What do you do when you leave it to your children? If you've got 100,000 in an IRA or 401k, you're going to leave, and you've got two kids, you're going to leave them 50,000 each, right? Well, no, unfortunately, the other beneficiary that you forgot to, th to plan for is the IRS. Based on current tax rates, $20,000 of each of your child children's two inheritances is going to be skimmed off the top of their inheritance, and that's going to leave each of your two children with thirty grand out of your $100,000. And the IRS is going to come out with $20,000 times two, which is 40000 bucks. Think about that for a minute. Each child got thirty grand. Your IRS child <laughs> got 40,000. That's the lion's share. Let that sink in for a moment. Uh, if you currently have your money in a 401k or IRA, is there someone at the IRS that you're especially fond of that you'd want to leave that kind of money, the bulk of your hard-earned life savings uh, to the IRS when you pass away? And by the way, if you're concerned about the IRS uh, currently taking more from you than you want to give to your kids, give us a call, 1-800-962-9141. Uh, or you can go to the show notes and just click request a meeting. We're pretty good at helping people make sure that they don't leave any more to the IRS than they're legally required to. Pay your taxes, guys. Definitely pay your taxes, but don't leave them a tip. Okay, so if a family asset is not being used to generate income, then that asset should be used to create some family generational wealth. If you ran a family farm and had a brand new combine just sitting in the barn, during harvest time, it didn't do you a whole lot of good, right? Mm -hmm. So you'd want to ensure and guarantee that that wealth would be transferred to the family income tax-free. We don't need the IRS hopping in in that uh, disbursement meeting at, uh, with your estate planning attorney. Most importantly, you'd want to expend the least amount of money to create the most wealth. That's what rich people do. This is known as leverage. So if you were able to invest in the oldest member of the family and they allowed you to do so to create the ultimate family legacy, what investment would be used? Well, I mean, life insurance might be a pretty good option. Life insurance is the perfect solution for family wealth creation. It's a contract that the family, crucially, controls. The cash values and death benefit grow tax-deferred and income tax-free. It's protected from credit creditors and passes outside of probate. So any number of family members, including the parents, can contribute to the premiums. This creates the greatest amount of death benefit that will pass on to the family. All of this is centered on the legacy of love, really. I mean, this will be a very emotional decision and should be viewed with the proper perspective. In the old days, all members of the family would invest all their time and money to increase the wealth of the farm, knowing someday it would eventually be theirs. It's a similar concept yeah. that we can adopt in today's you know, society and the way that things work now. They didn't do this out of greed, but out of love for their family. So let's look at this generational solution from two different perspectives, um, which we're going to do over this episode and the next. So first in this episode, we're going to be looking at it from the perspective of the elder parents. Um, so you know, if you are the elder parent, this would kind of be the episode for you. And then secondly, in our next episode, we want to look at it uh, from the perspective of the adult children who are roughly you know 30 years old, maybe older, maybe a little mm -hmm. younger, um, but just kind of the the, ch the adult children. The working and, children, yeah. Um, um, what what they can be doing um, and how they can be a part of this this family asset system as well. Perfect, thanks, Holly. So yeah, the 
the first thing I want to start asking our listeners is, you know, hey, let's let's take this to the senior parent. If you're a senior parent and listening to this, or if you know one who is, um, listen on. You know, as you look back over your lifetime, how many dreams, how many goals that you had when maybe you were, say, 20 years old actually came to fruition in your life? You know, for most of us who've been around the sun a few extra times, <laughs> understand that life throws us some curveballs every so often, uh, things that we might not have expected. Many who are listening may have even experienced some tragedies in life, uh, the sting of disappointment, loss. Maybe it was a business. Maybe it was a friend who passed away too soon. Maybe it was a job loss or, or losses in the stock market. Most people I speak to in their later years all tell me essentially one thing. As they look back over their life's accomplishments and setbacks, they, they really wish they could have seen a few things gone just a little bit better and they would be in a much better place. Okay? So many people who are approaching or maybe already in retirement listening to this episode wish they had more to spend and leave to their family, their loving adult children and grandchildren. Uh, in retirement, you have this time to look back and reflect on your life and wonder might, what might have happened if I'd been able to do X, Y, Z, one, two, three, all my dreams and fulfill those dreams. How much greater could I have benefited my family uh, with a legacy uh, if this and that had happened, okay? So, you know, today, if you had the magic to recapture all those dreams and goals that you had during your lifetime and then leave that as a gift to your children in love, children and grandchildren in love, without spending any more money, would you do it? Would you do it? It's possible. Uh, and I've got a story I want to share with you guys. It's been something that's been sort of percolating in me for quite a while. Uh, but I wanted to share this story because it is deeply personal to me. And I think it would be helpful for, for a lot of our listeners. So it is possible to do this, to leave your family more than you could ever save for them. And so I want to start with a story about my mom. In 2002, way back in the day, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. She was really, at that time, in her mid-40s, so super-duper young, uh, relatively speaking. Thankfully, after basically a year of treatments and surgery, she was cleared, and she was in remission, which is awesome. We were so thankful for that. And over the next 10 years, uh, in 10 years later, she was you know, really hit with a number of setbacks in life. She had the 2008 financial crisis hit her hard, uh, and she almost lost her house. A job loss or two was in there. And, and yet, she was resilient. You know, but as a result, she really didn't set aside a whole lot of money. She didn't have a big pile of cash for her retirement. Uh, you know, she was getting by. She was paying the bills and doing okay. And very, I was really proud of her for that. But she was regularly sharing with me how much she wished she could do more to help me and my brother uh, with our educations and getting our life set up and that sort of thing. She was also really concerned about the future uh, of the um, you know, the, of her own retirement, as well as her children's ability to survive financially. So, you know, we kept the conversation going, of course. And, you know, as a son, I, when I heard about the bank on yourself concept, I obviously wanted to share that with her. So we talked about it. And in 2012, she made the decision to purchase several bank on yourself designed whole life policies and help. It was all about helping her save for retirement. She really saw this as a way to get out of Wall Street and prepare for her financial future. It was also a way to get some life insurance that she wanted to leave my brother and I. So she understood that that cash value would be available to her tax-free in her retirement years that would help her sidestep future government tax increases that she might encounter. You know, right when she got insurable again, which was, what was that, 2012, 
10 years after the cancer diagnosis, we got those policies set up. It was like, you know, right as that, that, that became possible for her again. And she knew she wanted to leave something to my brother and I and also her grandchildren. She wanted to leave something, but she didn't have a huge legacy that she had saved somewhere else. So life insurance seemed to be a great way to leverage finite dollars to leave as much as possible to the kids. Uh, so the very next year, 2013, mom was re-diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And that, of course, made her uninsurable again. But thankfully, she had bought those whole life policies the year before. And because they were whole life insurance, there was zero, there was no expiration date. So she continued to struggle um, financially from 2013, 14, and 15 and onward with medical bills, physical tolls from the, the cancer and the chemo. And she had borrowed from her whole life policy multiple times to cover those home repairs that were needed, getting, getting her to and from uh, the doctor and work. She bought a, a used car. Uh, and she used a few other loans from the policy to cover some other medical expenses. So she was really pulling pretty hard on the cash in those policies she set up. And on several occasions, she had to lower the contributions to her policies. Those policies had the flexible paid up additions rider that allowed her to put in less than the full amount, which was super good when you're tight on cash, you know, and you're brave, uh, bravely fighting this disease as she did. Now, in 2017, she ultimately she passed away. And my brother and I mourned her loss. Uh, she was courageous. She was resilient. Uh, she was an awesome mother and a great Christian. And so I know she graduated to get on to bigger and better things. You know, she's singing in God's choir right now. Let me tell you, Holly. So after the funeral, my brother and I had the job, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have done this too, of going through their parents' house. We went through mom's house to clear it out, finalize her estate and everything. We didn't know really what to expect as we were kind of going through everything. And as we were going through her filing cabinet, her documents, we came across those life insurance policies that we had started with her back in 2012. And we noticed that the remaining death benefit, even with those loans against it and everything, we were shocked, shocked at how much she was able to leave us, even with all those loans and even after reducing the premium she had paid in during her tough financial times. So mom had used literally the least amount of money to leave us the greatest possible gift. And in fact, we did calculate the money she put into the policy relative to the, the uh, gift she left us, and it was a 1,000% rate of return, income tax-free. Mm. Wow, that is incredible. Yeah. Now, of course, guys, let me be clear. Without question, I would give it all back plus millions more to have mom with me again. There's nothing that's going to replace the presence of a loving parent, okay? But as she did pass away, she was able to achieve her dream of covering my brother's college expenses. It also set him and me and our families really up to a financially bright future. She had really given us the greatest asset she had. She didn't have a bunch of stocks or a bunch of real estate. She had her very self. She had her very self. And she was wanting to leave that in the form of financial independence for us. And she could not have done that with mutual funds, 401ks, or real estate. Think about that. What other asset could my brother and I uh, have saved um, and, and received from my mom to leave that kind of gift for us, right? Only the life insurance contract could do that. So this is kind of crazy. Even in the final weeks of mom's life in the hospital, she was telling people about what was happening. She was literally telling people to talk with me about their financial plan 
that I had set up uh, for her and talked to these uh, guests and visitors in the hospital room, the doctors, the nurses, about their financial plan. <laughs> what a cool mom, right? <laughs> <laughs> so she was like getting me referrals in her hospital gown. It was crazy. Um, I mean, she was proud of me, but I was even more amazed and proud of her. So that's my story. It's really my mom's story. You know, she was a hero for my brother and I. Uh, she may or may not have even realized what she had d- done for us in 2012 when she started her policies, but it literally changed our family tree. It changed our family's financial future. And guess what? My brother and I, what do you think we did with those uh, death benefit m- dollars, Holly? Oh, I can only imagine what you would do, Mark. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, yeah, Vegas, right? No, just kidding. Uh, we straight up, we put it right into brand new bank on yourself type life insurance policies with our own children as beneficiaries. So, Come on, we, we multiplied the gift mom gave us for her grandchildren. And now the mm-hmm. returns are even greater. So we've literally rolled that money forward and made the family our greatest asset. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's so awesome that um, she was able to leave so much more than I'm sure she ever thought she'd be able to. Hands you down. know. And so that's just such a beautiful, beautiful story, beautiful picture of, um, you know, someone that was just trying to do right by her family and, mm-hmm. and just being able to do so much um, with what she was able. I mean, that's all we're all called to do, right? Mm-hmm. Do as much good um, with the, you know, limited resources that we're given. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. Um, so really, you know, wanted to share that story with you, our listeners here today, and um, kind of, you know, share, I guess, also, um, you know, maybe some applications for um, this story that Mark shared about him and his mom and what that could mean for you. You know, if you are um, an elderly parent, if you're in a similar situation, if you have adult children and maybe they need, you know, a certain number for their retirement, own the number. Um, as an elder in the family, think to yourself, you know, I'm the greatest financial vehicle my kids will ever have. Um, you know, perhaps it may be, you know, sobering, but, you know, you're death, my death in any given year is guaranteed. Um, the life insurance death benefit on a bank on yourself, you know, type life insurance policy grows um, each and every year with dividends paid, which then become your minimum guaranteed death benefit for your family. It's a guaranteed number to your heirs. No matter when you pass away, your kids will own the number. So don't have, you know, a huge inheritance. You know, if you don't have a huge inheritance to leave to your children or you want to add to their financial success without a single penny out of your pocket, with this type of strategy, you know, the kids can also pay for the policy. It's their policy. It's outside your estate, meaning no estate tax, no income tax due. Your children can get and fund their own inheritance and pay for it. Um, and really, it's you know pennies on the dollar instead of hoping and praying that their 401k yeah. will make it. So it can be a scenario where you help them save for their retirement in a very non-traditional vehicle. Yeah. Well, you're getting ahead of yourself. That's next episode there, Holly. Yeah. But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. um, if the kids are going to be you know $2,000 a month short on their retirement, they calculate the death benefit need and the problem is solved. Uh, no more stressing over markets, paying massive taxes you know, to the government on our hard-earned retirement, or handing over the line share and fees to a financial advisor. Wow. Wow. Huge. So guys, you know, we'd love to talk more about this, how to position this conversation with your children, or if you aren't the adult children, with your parents. So, uh, you know, let's, let's talk. You know, I'd say the very next takeaway is maybe send your your family members a text and have them set up a meeting with us. You know, we you could say to your your adult children if you're one of the elder parents, "Hey, there's this opportunity sitting right in front of you. 
uh, it were so important to your financial future. I don't want to rob you of not knowing about this financial opportunity, even if the adult children end up saying no, at least they know it's an option for them. You know, you might say to them something like, hey, if I could tell you the, the two teams that are playing in next year's Super Bowl and who wins and the score of the game, how much would you bet on that game, right? Most, most you know, thinking people would say they'd bet everything on that, right? I'd bet everything on that game. Well, guys, you know, bet everything that someday the adult parents are going to pass away. And that's a gift that you can leave, a gift of love that you can leave your adult children. So take advantage of that. So if you're not sure if you can have this conversation with your adult children, we'd be honored and privileged to have that family conversation. It's really a, a simple gathering of the family, which can be done in our conference room here in Chicago, or we can do video conferences from really literally anywhere in the globe if your family is scattered uh, across the four winds. We'll handle the rest. We're experts at sharing and teaching this family a- asset concept. So maybe you know you decide together to do a parent-child matching program as another takeaway here. Once we've set these policies up, maybe you know both grandma, grandpa, and the adult children both contribute to pay the premiums for the life insurance. Hey, if an employer can do it with a 401k, why can't the family, right? No reason that you can't. Yeah. <laughs> so now we are, as we're wrapping up this episode, we're only halfway done. Um, so, you know, we talked about before uh, in the, earlier in this episode, we have another group we want to talk to as well, not just the elderly parents. We also want to talk to the adult children who see the power of this strategy and want to find a way to build their own inheritance and within a loving family. Um, you know, it is possible. And it's a way to guarantee that the wealth of the family stays inside the family. Again, the family being your greatest asset. So stay tuned. We'll be sharing uh, more and part two on our episode next week. But in the meantime, want to thank you all for joining us for this episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.